Welcome, everybody. My name is James Anderson to the first ever Monday Morning Director podcast. I hope you guys have been following along all week long as I've been doing my Oscar countdown at my Twitter handle, uh, tweeting out one movie review a day uh, for each of the Best Picture nominees. Uh, so if you haven't, uh, my Twitter handle is janderson underscore mmd. So I hope that you guys will go through and kind of see what you uh, in more detail all the Best Picture nominees, what I thought for each of them. Uh, specifically, this is just going to be kind of general overview, uh, kind of a, a review of the year of 2016 for films as the Oscars are getting underway tomorrow. So uh, I'm just going to start off a pretty simple one. Obviously, everyone has their top five favorite films of the year, and they don't exactly line up with what the Academy thinks. So I decided to make my own little list to let you guys uh, know what my personal opinions and favorites are for each uh, for, or the movies of the year. Uh, I'm going to start at number five and work my way up to my favorite. Uh, number one was Cap. I mean, excuse me. Number five was Captain America: Civil War. I thought that as far as blockbusters, blockbusters are definitely not going to get a lot of Oscar nominations. So I'm not annoyed that this one got no Oscar nominations. It wasn't really deserving. Blockbuster films are blockbuster films. Uh, sometimes you'll be blown away by a Heath Ledger performance as the Joker, and you'll—it's just hands down you cannot ignore the genre of film that they're in because the performance was that good and deserving. Civil War, there was no performance in there. It was very much an ensemble cast all across the board. They jammed a lot in there, but that was my favorite blockbuster of the year. There was a lot of uh, letdowns in terms of blockbusters this year, but that one, excuse me, hit a lot of my expectations for it. So I was very happy with that one. Uh, number four, I'm going to go with Manchester by the Sea, which obviously is a nominated film. So that one, Wonderful film, getting as much praise and acclamation as it deserves. So I'm not going to go into too much on that one because I want to get into that a little bit later on. Number three, I went with Sing Street. This one I feel definitely should have been nominated. It was at Sundance last year. Didn't see it until it got released on Netflix in November, and then I immediately watched it like five times in a week. It's very rewatchable. It's very funny. It's very well done. The story is wonderful. It's about it's a coming of age story. If you guys don't know about Sing Street of this guy, of this high school kid in Ireland who wants to impress a girl, so he, he creates a band uh, in a new, at his new school trying to get going, uh, trying to get involved, and then ultimately he just falls in love with the creation process of the music and creates uh, great friendships along the way, and it's very funny. It's very well done. It was made by the same, by John, directed by John Carney, who also wrote and directed Once and Begin Again, both wonderful films, both wonderful indie films with a lot of musical influences. This one was very much autobiographical in a way because uh, Sing Street is a playoff of the school Sing Street, spelled S-Y-N-G-H, in Dublin, which is actually where he attended school as a kid. So that it, it was very much autobiographical in a way for him. Um, so it, it's a wonderful film. Everyone should check it out. Uh, number two, I want to go with Moonlight. In my opinion, this was the best film overall structurally. But in terms of rewatchability factor, it is a very depressing film. No, not nearly as depressing as Manchester by the Sea. So in terms of favorite films, this is where the, the difference between favorite and best film kind of differs. Uh, for me, Moonlight was the best film of the year, but it was not my favorite because in terms of rewatchability, I want to be able to sit down and love a movie and enjoy it and just be able to watch it over and over and over again. And that's why my number one is Captain Fantastic, which only got one Oscar nomination. That's for Viggo Mortensen for Best uh, Actor. And very well deserved for Viggo Mortensen, but I think that uh, the director of the film, his name's escaping me at the moment, but uh, he 
wrote and directed it. He did a fantastic job. It is very witty. It is very smart. It is very, very funny. Uh, so Captain Fantastic, for those of you who don't know, and I'm sure a lot of you don't, because it was very much big around the indie circuits, but didn't get a lot of uh, wide theatrical acclaim and appraise. Well, it got a claim, but it didn't get a lot of eyeballs on it because it wasn't marketed that strongly to get people to the theater. Captain Fantastic is a road trip movie. This uh, Viggo Mortensen plays the father of a, a family of children. He and his wife decided to move into the wilderness of Oregon to raise their kids away from the rest of the world and self t- and become homeschooled, teach them uh, all, all the different philosophical beliefs that they hold, um, and allow them to kind of make their own decisions. Uh, completely away from any outside influences and ultimately his wife gets mentally ill and goes into a hospital and commits suicide but her family won't allow him to go to the funeral without putting him under arrest his kids convince him to go to the funeral anyway and so it's a road trip where they all get on a bus and they go across the country down to Arizona not across the country but down the west coast down to Arizona to their mom's funeral it's very much fish out of water it's very funny, it's very smart uh, it's about all these kids who are smart way beyond their years, way beyond collegiate degrees in terms of philosophical levels at the eight, at ages of like eight and 10. And they're going uh, down the West coast, getting their first real experiences with the outside world, what malls are like, uh, what grocery stores are like, because they've been hunting for their food their entire lives. It's very interesting. It's a very diff- great dynamic for a film. It's definitely rewatchable. It's by far my favorite of the year. Uh, as much as all the films that were nominated are wonderful films, Captain Fantastic, in my opinion, definitely was an Oscar-worthy nomination. They get ten nominations. They went with nine, and they left it off the list, going for an equally unrecognizable uh, film in Hell or High Water as a nomination, which is definitely interesting because that is an Amazon Studios production, which was released theatrically on a limited level, but more widely released just on Amazon Prime which in terms of streaming and uh, people who are going to streaming services is well behind the rest of them. So that's definitely interesting. So with that, I'm going to just move on to all the different major awards. I want to give both my predictions and what my personal pick would be. Obviously, the Academy thinks differently than we all do some of the time. And I have my own opinion on a lot of these. I've seen all the Best Picture nominees, as I said, because I've been uh, doing a countdown with a review a day over the course of the last week or so. So I'm going to start off with Supporting Actress. Uh, the nominees were Viola Davis for Fences, Naomi Harris for Moonlight, Octavia Spencer for Hidden Figures, Michelle Williams for Manchester by the Sea, and Nicole Kidman for Lion. My pick there is Viola Davis for Fences because I feel that Fences was very, when they say adapted screenplay, and I want to get more into this later, they literally just took the play from August Wilson, written in the 19... 19- uh, 60s about the 1950s and they literally they just Denzel Washington took the play he performed in New York and he just changed the stage directions to camera directions and then they acted it out now that doesn't necessarily make for a great film because it was very theatrical and over the top but it makes it tailor-made for great acting performances because there was monologue after monologue after monologue and Viola Davis's character arc was by far one of the best character, like best acted character arcs that had seen I'd seen this year. So my personal pick for that would be Viola Davis, even though the film wasn't necessarily 
my favorite on that list. Her acting performance was above and beyond the rest. Naomi Harris was fantastic in Moonlight. So that was a very close pick for me between those two. Octavia Spencer, a wonderful actress, did a fantastic job in Hidden Figures. But in my opinion, she wasn't even the best actress in that film. It was Janelle Monet. And so if anyone should have been nominated for that film, it would be Janelle Monet, in my opinion. Uh, now, Nicole Kidman did a fantastic job in Lion. But for me, Lion as a film, uh, she was only pretty much in for the very little end of the second act and the third act. And even in the third act, she was not on screen a lot, similar to Michelle Williams' situation in Manchester by the Sea. But this is where my prediction comes in. I predict Michelle Williams will win for Manchester by the Sea because even though she was... For me, I can't say that she is deserving of the award, in my opinion, because she wasn't on screen enough. She was on screen for less than a handful of scenes. But the scene she was in was some of the best acting I have seen in such a long time. And I feel it was so powerful and so important to the film that I feel that that's what the Academy is going to kind of hang on. Plus... They love to give awards to people who have been nominated multiple times but never won because they have that storyline going on in the press and it makes it all that drama of people wanting to watch. It's like, is she going to finally win? This is her fourth nomination. I feel like they're, they're going to give her props not only for just this film but also for the film she's been nominated for in the past. And it's going to be kind of like a little bit of a career-like award for her. Well, that being said, they have made other actors wait a longer period of time and other people like Martin Scorsese for a director a longer period of time where they've gotten over five nominations over six nominations like well over what would be a great career for any person to say oh well they've been nominated for like eight Oscars but never won one and so usually that's when they when people think of career academy award nominations that's what they think of but this one I feel like they're going to give it to her uh because of how powerful a performance it was in that film, but also as well as because this is her fourth nomination, is yet is yet to win, and that leads to supporting actor. Uh, Mahershala Ali is nominated for Moonlight, Jeff Bridges for Hell or High Water, Lucas Hedges for Manchester by the Sea, Dev Patel for Lion, and Michael Shannon for Hell or High Water. And this one, I, my personal pick is Lucas Hedges in Manchester by the Sea. I. Today, I'm, I'm recording on Saturday, today was the review on the countdown was Manchester by the Sea that I tweeted out not too long ago, a couple of hours ago. And Lucas Hedges, for me, on the second viewing of the film, I appreciated his performance more. Because the first time that I saw the film at Sundance, it, it was very much, he played what I could see as just a one-note dislikable character who is completely unfazed by the loss of his father, and he's pretty much just self uh, absorbed, self, uh, just very much focused on his own interests and making sure that he keeps both both relationships with both of his girlfriends going. He's he, a lot of his humor comes in from his character just being not reacting the way you would expect someone to react in the situation of just having lost a parent. But from the second viewing, you you can really appreciate the levels of his performance more. Because for me, one of the most powerful scenes in the movie was when he gets up in the middle of the night, he's hungry, he's going through the fridge, something falls out of the freezer when it's open, it kind of hits him on his head when he's looking in the fridge, and he just has a panic attack, because he's, all he can think about, my father's in the morgue, my father's in the morgue, he's in a freezer, and he freaks out and has a panic attack, and it just shows the different levels of his character, a lot of 
what he was putting on is that bravado and that dislikability and and being a comedic uh, factor in the film was layered much deeper between someone who was actually hurting inside and they were kind of trying to put it on a show to hide that from everyone else. So it was a very much more uh, layered performance than I was able to kind of understand in the first viewing and I gained more appreciation for in the second but my prediction is going to be Mahershala Ali for Moonlight, because that's the one that everyone's been talking about all year long, about how the most powerful scene in that movie, he's only in it for the first act, but the way that the film is structured is three acts, literally three different completely three completely different phases of the life of Chiron, and he is in it as kind of that, in, that surrogate father figure in the first act, and to have... Chiron learn that he is a drug dealer and that he is the one supplying his mom with his with the drugs and so that this great father figure that he finally attached himself to just completely crumbles his world again is uh, as the first of multiple times that it happens throughout the film Mahershala Ali's various different uh, monologues and different little kind of idiosyncrasies that he added on and the level to that performance for such a little screen time and only being in the first act of that film was well and above what a lot of people are going to be focusing on for Lucas Hedges. So, uh, and has been discussed as such uh, out there in the press. So I, I can't believe that he's going to be getting that much press for such a wonderful performance and then not win it. And Lucas Hedges, as great of a performance as that was, it seems like no one's talking about that. So I would like to see him win because I think that he did have a bigger impact on his film as a supporting actor than Mahershala Ali did. But at the same time, I completely understand. I I don't expect it to happen, which is why I'm predicting Mahershala Ali to win. So from here, just kind of break up the actor, the acting awards. I'm going to move on to the the writing awards. First off, writing adapted. Uh, was Arrival, Fences, Hidden Figures, Lion, and Moonlight. Uh, Arrival was completely different than what I thought, and it had one of the best twists, and I was very torn between picking this with Moonlight because just how it was brilliant it was in terms of the writing and the way that the story was structured and then the big twist at the end and how shocking that was. But... Ultimately, I felt like that the director had more to do with the payoff of that setup in the script, whereas Moonlight was written and directed by Barry Jenkins, and Barry Jenkins' job in terms of story structure and the actual dialogue itself was phenomenal. It was well above anything else on the, on the list other than Arrival Fences. Like I said earlier, I think that they just took out the stage directions and put in camera cut directions, and that was a quote-unquote adapted screenplay. I can't really say that's the best adapted screenplay if they'd never really changed any of the dialogue, because then there was no actual change involved. So, Hidden Figures was very well done going from a biographical book to a film, uh, but I don't feel like that one was to the level of Moonlight Lion going from an autobiographical book again to a film. I think it was very well done, but a lot of the success of that film had to do with the direction, similar to Arrival, which was based off of a short story. So for that, my prediction and my pick in this one actually line up with Barry Jenkins for Moonlight. I think that was just very well done. And for writer-directors, usually when they get nominated, for uh, nominated, they usually win 
for writing before they win for directing. Because a lot of the, their thought, pro- the Academy proce- thought process, I think, is, well, they planned out a lot of the shots while they were writing the script, so we're going to give them the credit for the writing, but not as much for the directing until we see them direct someone else's written work, which is kind of what happened with Damien Chazelle. He was nominated and won for writing for Whiplash, which he wrote and direct, directed, but he did not win. for. Uh, he did not even get nominated for director. He won and was nominated for writing, though, for Whiplash, which is a similar situation. He is back this year, actually, which brings us to uh, original scripts. There's La La Land, which was by Damien Chazelle, Hell or High Water, The Lobster, Manchester by the Sea, and 20th Century Women. Uh, my pick is Manchester by the Sea for Kenneth Lonergan because I thought that in terms of the story, it was so well put together and it was all in the tiny details all throughout the film. But I feel like the... Academy is going to go with La La Land because Damien Chazelle did exactly what leads to a lot of big award awards. He pandered. He pandered to what the Academy knows, what he knows the Academy likes, which is when people basically just like throw love and praise at old Hollywood and just they 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 just take old Hollywood and they shove it in their face and say, look how great this was. This was wonderful, wasn't it? Oh, I love it just as much as you guys do. And so they're going to see that and they're going to come away from the musical of La La Land and all the choreography and all the different musical numbers and then how much it just, not even just pays homage to old Hollywood, but openly says, openly basically copies scenes from other Hollywood movies and then jokes and hints at it within the script saying oh it was just so great how could we ever change it hollywood is going to absolutely and the academy are going to absolutely flip themselves over backwards and give this movie way more awards than it deserves in my opinion but so i feel like that's why they're going to give this one to la la land over manchester by the sea which we can say it is a very depressing film it is a big letdown it's just it just gets sadder and sadder and sadder as the movie goes along but in terms of story, structure, and development, and actual character uh, building, I feel that that one was by far the best uh, of this category. This category this year is not the greatest. Um, so with that, we're gonna, I'm going to move on to actresses. Uh, the best actresses are Isabel Hubert for Elle, Ruth Inega for Loving, Natalie Portman for Jackie, Emma Stone for La La Land, and Meryl Streep for Florence Foster Jenkins. This one, my pick, and the prediction match up again with Emma Stone. I feel that Emma Stone was hands down, far and away, the best part of La La Land. The most powerful scene in the entire film is when she goes into an audition and they say, we're shooting our film in Paris. Just tell us a story about Paris and that's your audition. And she begins to tell a story about one of her favorite aunts who she references multiple times throughout the film uh, jumping into the Seine, which then that talking leads into uh, a very heartfelt ballad and while her singing performance was uh, not the greatest, and same thing with Ryan Gosling in the film, uh, I definitely got to give them credit for doing their own vocalist and not just lip syncing and then going with uh, some professional musicians in a studio as they're singing voices and vocals for the film. So I can't really like knock her down for there. So I can only go by the acting chops that was presented on screen in terms of the emotion that she brought across while also singing. And that uh, was by far and away above what everyone else in this category did. Uh, I did not see uh, Isabel Hubert and Elle 
unfortunately, I could not find L anywhere. Uh, Ruth Naga in, Lug- in Loving was wonderful in the film, but it was just such a simple and understated performance. Uh, and it's not that there's anything wrong with understated performances, which will kind of lead into what when I talk about Casey Affleck in uh, in Manchester by the Sea, but it was understated in that she just looked up old interview footage of the character she was playing in real life and saw that she was kind of soft-spoken. And so she just played soft-spoken the whole film and didn't really have a lot to add beyond that. And there wasn't any great character arc there as much as much as the story and what occurred around them changed. So because that, I felt that was a little bit one-noted performance, I couldn't really go there. Natalie Portman did a very good job in Jackie. I would have probably given her, I'm going to give her second place. She was fantastic, but Emma Stone blew her out of the water uh, as well. Jackie, the film was pretty much erratic and all over the place, and it was tough to follow. And a lot of that has to do with the direction. It's not her fault, but at the same time, uh, that does ultimately affect the performance in a way, neg- in a negative way, that doesn't really help her chances. Uh, and then Meryl Streep, uh, Florence Foster Jenkins. I mean, what can you say about Meryl Streep? She's fantastic. She's getting uh, career awards now from the Golden Globes and all the, all these things. She's been nominated so many times. She's a wonderful actress, but I, I just don't see her beating out Emma Stone in this instance. So uh, with that, I want to move on to actors. There was Casey Affleck for Manchester by the Sea, Andrew Garfield for Hexall Ridge, Ryan Gosling for La La Land, Viggo Mortensen for Captain Fantastic, and Denzel Washington for Fences. For this category, this category was one of the best and the strongest pools of any of them in terms of this year, but I'm going to go with my pick and prediction matchup on this one as well with Casey Affleck. I feel that Manchester by the Sea, the biggest takeaway from that film was just Casey Affleck's calculated and very detailed under and purposely understated performance was with the way that his life is just falling apart around him and he feels it's all his fault and just all that guilt is just building up inside and in a few instances you just see him break down. It was one of the best ways he could have approached that role and yet is the way that everyone would have avoided. And because he didn't avoid it, I feel that makes it a wonderfully strong performance and it also allowed for everyone else around him to play opposite of that, which would not have been able to play if someone approached this role in a different fashion. So he allowed everyone else around him to be better, and it allowed the ensemble cast. And so I feel that if you not only give the best uh, performance and approach to your character, but you will ele- allow the people around you to elevate the film as well, that that is truly a great performance. And so I'm going with Casey Affleck for that one. Andrew Garfield was wonderful in Hacksaw Ridge, far and away the best thing in Hacksaw Ridge. I, w- I wanted to see him kind of elevate that in silence, and I mentioned it when I saw Hacksaw Ridge that I was just waiting for silence to come out, so that way I could see silence and see if he would overshadow his performance in Hacksaw Ridge and kind of compete against himself for which one he would get the nomination for. Unfortunately, silence did, j- just did not hit the Passion Project effect from Scorsese, drew it out way too long and ultimately took away from some of the performances because it was hard to kind of stay fully in tune with the film for the full three hours. Uh, So 
ultimately, Hacksaw Ridge was the performance he got nominated for. Wonderful performance, by far best of his career. Uh, it's definitely going to... He's definitely going to keep elevating his level now that he's beyond the Spider-Man franchise, and he can go off and do more artistic and more Academy Award-like films. But I don't feel that he outperformed Casey Affleck this year. Ryan Gosling in La La Land, I thought he was very he was very good in this film. Uh, some people are focusing a little a lot on that he was looking at his feet while he was dancing during the choreography, that his vocal skills were not the best, and that his acting was kind of over the top in one note. I thought that he did a wonderful job, and but I would still put him probably fifth in this category, but that's not a snub at his performance. That's it, He was in a very deep pool this year. Viggo Mortensen did fantastic in Captain Fantastic, as I mentioned earlier on in the podcast, what the story was about and how he led that film in terms of emotional roller coaster levels all over the map and character development and then the way that he worked with a cast, basically an entire ensemble of kids from five to high school age, and it was he was the only adult on screen a lot of the time, and it was the way that he balanced that was was phenomenal. Denzel Washington, as I mentioned, Fences uh, was very theatrical and not so much film, uh, working with the screenplay, which does lend a hand to great acting performances because of all the monologues, and he did a wonderful job, but. I don't feel that he outperformed Casey Affleck because it was uh, way over the top in the film. Uh, And this category is just so deep, whereas Viola Davis, I feel that she won in what was... She's going to win for her performance because I felt Viola Davis was by far the best performance in that film. And that a lot of the time she blew Denzel out of the water when those two were going at it. And that's not to say anything other than it was when those two were on screen... It was wonderful to watch the the way that they went back and forth. It was like a uh, tick for t- uh, uh, tit and tat game, kind of back and forth between the two, and uh, ultimately Viola just outperformed him just a little bit in the film and kind of overtook it. So for best director, I want to move on to best director was uh, Dennis Villanueva for Arrival, Mel Gibson for Hacksaw Ridge, La La Land, Damien Chazelle, Manchester by the Sea, Kenneth Lonergan. And Moonlight, Barry Jenkins. My personal pick, I already talked about this, was Barry Jenkins. Uh, I feel that Moonlight, the direction of it, as great as the script writing was, his direction of it really controlled the audience's emotional level more than the writing did because the writing was simple and well-structured and the dialogue was very nuanced and fantastic, but it was the direction that really endeared you to the main character and really kind of let you into his world that was around him and how it was just breaking him down. And that was, it was so wonderfully done that it was by far and away the best directing performance in this one. Manchester by the Sea, uh, the first viewing, I thought Kenneth Lonergan was wonderful with the directing, was going to be winning Oscars and all this, that, and everything, but that was back at Sundance last year before the rest of the films of the year kind of came out. And then upon the second viewing, I realized the slow pacing, if anything, took a little bit away from how powerful the film could be. And he pretty much just said, I'm going to let the story play itself out, but I'm going to let it play itself out slowly. And it's going to just slowly build and kind of like stew in the, in the audience. And that doesn't work with every audience. And so because it didn't hit 
every single audience group the way that he wanted it to and every single demographic and every not every room reacted to it the same way that he would have liked i feel like that that's not the true the true tell of a great directing job the great directing job you got to hit everybody you got it or at least close to everybody and even if people don't like the film they can at least come away saying that his goal of what he wanted the audience to feel was achieved in terms of how they perceived the story now whether or not they liked the film is up to them beyond that but i feel the perception of the story changed from room to room uh la la land is my prediction because i feel damien chazelle uh like i mentioned he won for writing for whiplash but was not nominated for director for whiplash they like to give awards to writer directors for writing first and then for directing and la la land say what you will about the flaws in the script that he wrote for it it was wonderfully directed. The, he made wonderful directing choices in terms of the technology they went with, with Technicolor, uh, and the choreography was fantastic. It looked fantastic. The structure of all of the, uh, from scene to scene, was great. The way that the directing was by far and away above the writing of the film, in my opinion. And yes, he was the writer for the film as well in a writer-director role, but he was by far a better director, so I feel like it's going to flip-flop with what happened with him with Whiplash, where he's go- I think he's going to win for both. I personally would give it to him for uh, director, if it wasn't for Barry Jenkins, was just so phenomenal with Moonlight. Mel Gibson, I was surprised when I was doing my review for uh, my, res- my review for Hacksaw Ridge to realize he's only directed five feature films, and he won an Oscar for his debut as a feature film director from Braveheart. So I, fe- I was very surprised by that fact. He did a great job with this film in just allowing Andrew Garfield to control every scene he was in with his strong acting performance and adding some back context to the character and, wh- and why he just refused to carry a weapon into uh, battle and the character's history. I thought he did a great job with that. And then all of the action sequences uh, in the J- Japanese theater of World War II he did a great job in directing that and bringing the terror of just how truly horrifying all the acts that were being that were occurring over there were. He did a great job with that, but I'm going to have to put him on the bottom of this five of the five on this list because this was a very strong category this year. Dennis Villanueva, I think his directing of Arrival is getting way underplayed. I think that, as I mentioned earlier, the script was fantastic. But it was his direction of, and the way that he took the material and elevated it that really made that film shine. And the twist at the end was just so perfectly executed. And he's been building towards this now uh, gradually for the last couple of years with his last few films. Sicario being the film he did right before this. He's, he's definitely going to be get seen in the uh, award uh, uh, circuit. For years to come, I hope that he continues this progression because he he's budding it out and turning into a great director, a fantastic director, possibly an all-time director if he continues on this trend. And now that brings us to the ultimate one, the Best Picture nominees and the Best Picture winners. There are Moonlight, Manchester by the Sea, Hidden Figures, Lion, Arrival, La La Land, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water. My personal pick here is Moonlight. I already mentioned it when I was mentioning my top five. I feel that this was the best film of the year, hands down, story structure, 
directing, acting-wise, like, all across the board, every single element hit and just hit home so strong that it made the what was a very simple story seem so big and so real and just it it just ate at your soul and it just it was wonderfully executed but what i feel is going to win is la la land because of all the reasons i mentioned before because how they basically just throw at the academy old hollywood's great old hollywood is great old hollywood is great and they're just the academy's just going to fall in love with that and i would love to say that moonlight's going to get win best picture like they won the best drama at the Golden Globes, uh, whereas La La Land won Best uh, Musical or Comedy. But ultimately, I feel because they're going to look at it as, oh, it's a musical, it's harder to do a musical, and it's a more upbeat film, and it's also telling us how great old Hollywood is. They're going to look at that, and they're going to let that overshadow in their minds all the flaws with the stories, the story structure, and how it was literally plot point to plot point with no filler. And the whole... Uh, kind of golden rule of script writing make every detail count you can make every detail count while still having it not feel like you're just jumping from one spot to the next without any real building or developing in there all of a sudden it feels rushed and that's what it felt like to me story structure wise and for me you can't have a flawed story but then all the other elements in the production quality were great and then because it was about old Hollywood look at it and say, oh, that was the best film of the year. For me, Moonlight hit on every single element, which is why I would, per- I personally have picked Moonlight, but I feel like they're going to look at La La Land and let all of that get to their head in terms of the Academy and what they pick. So thank you guys for listening. This was the first ever Monday Morning Director podcast. I'm going to be doing these monthly. I do a, mo- uh, a blog uh, movie review every Monday. Uh, it gets posted at 1030. So I'm going to start doing monthly podcasts as well to kind of talk a little bit more about the four films four to five films uh, reviewed in that month and go in a little bit more detail. Um, so look for those in the future. Uh, I'm going to be uh, live tweeting probably during the Oscars. I'll be at an Oscar view, uh, viewing party with a lot of my friends. I'm sure a lot of you will be as well. Uh, look out for the final countdown review on Sunday. Uh, and uh, I'll continue to post the reviews every Monday, and please look out for those. Uh, at I'll be tweeting them out from my... Twitter handle J Anderson underscore MMD, or you could find uh, MMD underscore uh, podcast uh, as well for the show uh, account. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody, and I'll talk to you in a little bit.